Detour doesn't mean that the destination has changed. It simply means that the pathway to the destination has been altered, but you're still going to get there. Uh, so maybe you are resting at a rest spot because God has you there. Continue to be faithful. Continue to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It's, it's, it's life. If, if life were easy, then many of us would not grow. If everything in life were comfortable, then we would not be challenged to grow. So it's oftentimes the discomfort and the difficulties in life that challenge us to grow emotionally, to grow mentally, and to grow spiritually. And so we thank God for all the challenges that life throws at us. Because they certainly have helped to make us stronger. Amen? Our, our key text this morning uh, is from Genesis chapter 50. That's where we were last week. We're going back there this week. Genesis chapter 50. And we're reading from verse 15 to 26. And as usual, I want you to, to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Um, and we'll pray and we'll get into this. Uh, Genesis chapter 50. From verse 15 to 26. Coming to the end of the story of Joseph. And so uh, once you have found that. You put your finger right in there. You mark it and you just lift your Bibles up. Just lift it up like this if it's yours. If you, have, if you have read your Bible since the start of this year. Just put it up in the air. Hallelujah. Amen. That wasn't, that wasn't too difficult right? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on just declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. The scripture says. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. They said. What if Joseph bears a grudge against us. And pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph. Saying. Your father charged before he died. Saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your father, your brothers, and their sin. For they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for, I am, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, 
to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. No, Joseph stayed in Egypt. And he and his father's household and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's son also. The sons of Machir, the sons of Manasseh were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear. Saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we pray in the name of Jesus this morning that you'll open every eye to see your truth. Open every ear to hear your voice. Every mind to understand your word, and every heart to receive what you, Almighty God, has in, have in store for us. Lord God, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word. We want to be doers also. So cause conviction to come upon our hearts. That when we leave here, we'll do as a spirit command. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your word. This is your people. This is your church. So you deserve all the glory. We give it to you now. It belongs to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So as we conclude the series, let me just remind you where we're coming from. We started out in week one speaking about the purpose of detour. What, what is the purpose of having detours in life? Then we spoke about the proof. What is the proof that you're on a God orchestrated a God-designed detour, and this is not a consequence of your action. Then, uh, in week three, we said that with detours often comes promotion, and that God can promote you even while you're on your detour, as he promoted Joseph. And then last week, we spoke about the providence of detours. What does detours provide? The God-orchestrated detours. And so this week, we, we're speaking about perspective. The detours of perspective. What, uh, what perspective should I take when I'm going through the detours, when I'm going through the setbacks, when I'm going through the hardship, when I'm going through the trials, when I'm going through the struggles, when I need to persevere. The truth is that most of us would prefer not to speak about the struggles and the challenges in life. We, 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 we don't understand that faith has two uh, uh, dimensions to it. There's faith for salvation and faith to, to cause us to believe and to receive many things. But we don't like to hear about the faith that needs to be applied when it comes on to perseverance. God wants to give us faith to persevere in hardship. And that's a faith that we need to pray for. God, give me faith that as I go through the, the challenges and the difficulties of life, I'll be able to persevere, to stand God and to still give you glory in the midst of all that I'm going through. Like Paul says in the scriptures that uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He also says that it is the will... Give thanks in everything because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Amen? So, so 
That's the kind of thing we want to speak about. What perspective do I have when God has me on one of these detours? When I'm going through my hardship and my difficulty. So the goal of this message, if there were, uh, I have three primary goals or objective. It is to give us a different perspective on the detours, the setback, the delays, and the struggles we endure in our pursuit of our destiny. As we seek to, to walk into what God has purposed us for, uh, I want to help us to get perspective as we travel on that road. The second goal is to encourage us by showing us that when God is brought into a bad situation, he will always turn it, turn it out or turn it around for good. Whatever you are going through, I want to encourage you to get God involved. Don't do it by yourself. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit. Because greater is he that is in you than he that, that is in the world. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? The truth is, when God is in it with you, it's better for you. If you're going through the fire, bring God in there. Go with God. If you're going through the valley, go with God. If you're going through the waters, go with God. Because he's going to come out on the other side. And if you are with him and he's with you, he's going to take you there with him. And it's going to be better. Amen? On the other side. The third and final goal is to encourage us to keep following after God in submission. Especially when times get tough and the situation looks hopeless. Because he keeps hope alive. Continue to submit to God. I know it's hard. I know you feel like giving up. I know you thought you'd have been there by now. I know you thought you'd have accomplished it by now. I know when you look at all your friends that were in high school with you or in the neighborhood, all of them, they have gotten to the place that they told you they would have and you are still lingering somewhere. Continue to believe. Continue to trust. We are not in a race against others. We are just running a race by ourselves. That, that's the truth. There is no competition. So if your neighbor is advancing, it's just that they are in a different, I mean, they are in a different race. They, they, they may be doing the 200 meters. And God has have you, we just completed the Olympics in the 1500 meters. Obviously, they are going to finish their race before you. But at the end of it, when you finish, we all get the same medal. That, that's the thing. The person who wins the 800 and the 100 meters and the 10,000 meters get the same size gold medal. Uh, same, same, same quality. They have the same sermon at the end. So don't get upset because one person is ahead in their race because you're in a completely different race. Amen? The truth is most of us would love life to be a straight road. Like, like, like we want life to be a highway. No issues. In fact, we don't even want to. We want our e-card so when we get to the toll, we just go through. We want no stops. In life, really, we, we hate stops. We, we, we don't like traffic. We don't like to be slowed down. We like to go fast. And so we try to find every possible way of avoiding traffic, of avoiding delays. That's in, and we do it in, in terms of our own lives. 
we don't want anything that will slow us down. We just want to be in the fast race. Some people call it the rat race. Right? And what that means is when God decides to take us on detours, it frustrates us because we like highway driving. But I like God because he likes detours. Because he likes adventures. He likes valleys. Hillsides. In the Bible we call it the highways. And then there's also the byways. Do you know what byways are? They are the roads that have all those potholes. And, and, and you say, wow, I mean, this is so beautiful. Do you realize when you come off the highway and you go up into the mountains or down into the valleys and into the bushes, the woodlands and stuff, you say, wow, what, what beautiful. Man, we need to drive. We need to traverse these areas more. Because highways have a way of, of, of causing you to miss out on all the excitement that life provides. If you're traveling in Jamaica, for example, you'll, want, you'll, you'll, you'll understand that you probably miss Faith Spen and Mount Russell and the people selling the fruits because now everybody drives on the highway. And there is a part of Jamaica that we used to enjoy that we don't go anymore. Why? Because, man, I can't bother with driving up Mount Russell. I can't bother going across Z flat bridge. But when you go through the gorge, it's such a beauty to behold. What do you see on the highway? Nothing. Nothing, right? There's nothing on it to see. And I think that's what God wants to do sometimes. Bring us on these adventures in life. But the key is, we still get to the destination. See, God seldom takes us to our destiny in a straight line. But rather, he zigzags back and forth, taking us on detour after detour. And like we said in week one, when you're on a detour, you have to wait on directions or you're going to get lost. You see, you know the way on the highway. But God says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So when I bring you on a detour, it means that now you'll have to listen to me as to where your next step is. But when you travel the familiar path, you often make your own decisions and do your own thing. So what God has to do is to take us off the familiar and put us on the unfamiliar so we can learn to trust him, rely on him, and listen to him. You see, the reason that God does that, God does this, is because he's doing two things at the same time. The reason why he takes us on this zigzag, back and forth. Here's what he's doing. He's preparing us for our destiny, and he's preparing our destiny for us. So why is God detouring me? Why? Because he's preparing the destiny and he's preparing you for the destiny. There's preparation going on. He has gone to prepare a place, but he has also left the Holy Spirit to prepare us for the place that he has gone to prepare. And he will never allow these two things to come together until they are both ready for each other. You won't get to your destiny until you have been prepared for that destiny, and that destiny is prepared for you. 
And here's what will happen. If you are ready and you get to the place and the place is not ready, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to feel like I wasted all my time. Look at all the effort I put in and look, I get your now and it's not ready for me. And if, watch this, and if it is ready for you and you're not ready, you're going to mismanage it and it may hurt you instead of being a blessing to you. So God must ensure that as he prepares your destiny, that he's preparing you so that you can be ready for your destiny and your destiny is ready for you. And until both things are prepared, they cannot collide or come together. And it is during this time of preparation, this time of waiting, this waiting period, of struggle and suffering and disappointed, disappointment that we are tested. This is the hardest time in your life. When God is preparing you for your destiny and he's preparing your destiny for you. It is, it is your waiting zone. And this is where many people will backslide. This is where many people become like the prodigal son. Just give me what I'm supposed to get because I think I'm ready right now and you end up in a pigsty. You're, right? This is where we have, the, this is where we make the most of our bad decision in our preparation time. In fact, we might be tempted to say, I don't want to wait on God. I want this promise now. I didn't sign up for all this heartache. I didn't sign up for all this setback. I didn't sign up for all of this disappointment. Listen, I can't be bothered with this anymore. Enough is enough. That's what happens in this time of our life. When those words become the regular cry of our heart, we will move away from God and start to rely on our own strength to get the job done. We start doing our own thing. We start saying that, well... Let me see what I can do. Let me help out God. You remember, that's how um, uh, Sarah and Abraham tried to help out God. And today it's a problem. Listen, God, you know that song, You're God Alone? He's not dependent on any human hand. God don't, listen, God don't need our help. In fact, all of our help comes from the Lord. And we oftentimes believe it is God is taking too long. Let me help God bring the destiny in. In other words, we'll never, we will never arrive at our destiny because we failed to follow the one who knows the way there. Remember that God knows your destiny and he has taken you on a detour. It means that None of us know how to get there. The only way to get there is to follow God. The waiting period causes you to follow self. And what, when we follow self, we get lost. Do you realize what happened to the prodigal son? He didn't get closer. He got further away when he decided that he was ready. Listen, the best thing you can do is to continue to submit to God and wait upon the Lord. So, so to avoid this kind of thinking, what we need to do is to change our perspective. Just say with me, I need to change my perspective. So maybe your life is on a detour now. I want to change your perspective concerning the detour that you're on. 
Maybe you're at the point of a setback. I want us to have a changed perspective. If we could uh, look at the detour, look at the waiting, look at the struggle and the trials as something positive. And I know you're saying to me, Pastor, there's nothing positive in this. But if we could get a, a positive outlook, we might give ourselves a fighting chance to stay the course and stick with God through the tough times. All I'm saying is that just, just see that, see some positive in what you're going through. And I, I, I know oftentimes when everything is said and done, we look back and we say, I thank God for this. But right now, I want you to say, listen, God, if you are directing my steps and I'm submitted to you, there must be something good in this. Let me say to you, there must be something good in what God is bringing you through. Find something good to celebrate on your detour. Be thankful. Find the positive. Because when you find the positive in the place that you're at, it will give you a reason to fight. It will give you a reason to believe. It will give you a reason to hope. It will give you a reason to trust. It will give you a reason to say, listen, I'm going to hold on to God because there is a way. What we need to remember is that in the midst of the evil we do and the evil being done to us, if we bring God into the situation, he will always use that evil for good. And that's the perspective. God, if you are God and you are good and evil is happening, God, I bring you in to touch this evil because if you touch it, God, it will change. God, you can turn it around. Evil has been done to me, God, but you can turn it around. God, I've done some things that are wrong, but you can use them to bring glory to your name. So I bring you on this detour. I bring you in this setback, God, and you have control. That's the perspective. God, come in. And turn this thing around. God come in. I mean, my father hurt me. My mother hurt me. My ex hurt me. God, I failed in the school system. God turned this thing around. God, I made some errors. God, I was smoking. I was, drink I was doing all the crazy stuff. Turn it around, God. Step in, God. And turn it around. And if you have that perspective, it gives you a fighting chance in this battle. Because if you give up, you have actually given up. See, when he's preparing us for our destiny, he's always on the job and always present with us through those dark times. Always. Always. He's not going to leave you. He's always there. In fact, some people may leave you, but God will not. One song says, closer than a brother, my Jesus is to me. He's my dearest friend. I oftentimes tell people that when you're going through your tough times, and I'm going through my tough times, here's what I do. I look for the person who has success, successfully maneuvered and gone through what I've gone through. So if I'm going through fire, I need to be close to Jesus because he went through the fire. If I'm going through hell, I need Jesus because he has gone through it. If I'm going through the grave, I need Jesus because he has gone through it. If I'm going through the lion's den, I need Jesus because he... Listen, I need someone who has experienced success 
in the area that I'm going through. And that person is Jesus. And, and I want you to know right now, I know sometimes it don't feel like he's there, but he's with you. Because he promised that he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. You see, God is always going to use the evil we experience for his good purpose. As long as we continue to submit ourselves to him, then that evil becomes part of the blueprint that God uses to deliver us to the place he prepares for us. It, it helps to know when God is working on your behalf in preparation for your destiny. As you face difficulties over time, they might dishearten you as though you were knocked to the ground. But a good indication that God is aggressively preparing you for your future is how quickly you bounce back from being knocked down. You're going to get some knocks, but you get up and you fight again. Because your resilience during the detour is your proof that God is about to deliver you to the doorstep of your destiny. That is persevering faith. I'm not going to give up. Because God is fighting for me. You see, if we begin to see our detours from God's perspective, we will come to accept them as blessings and not burdens. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. And this will give us endurance to make it through. See, it's perspective. What do you call what you're going through? The name you give it is the name you're going to believe. And it's going to shape how you respond. If you call it big problem, that's what it's going to be in your life. If you call it big burden, that's what it's going to be in your life. If you call it your stress, that's what is going to be in your life. What your name, what you're facing on your detour, is what it will be in your life. So don't call it your burden. Say, God, this is going to be a blessing for me. You lost your job? God, thank you. God, this is going to be a blessing for me. Because if, if God's word is true, all things work together for good. If that is true, then God, this is a blessing. If God is true, and all things work together for good, and somebody left you, stranded, this is good. Because all things work together for good. You see, the, the Genesis text regarding Joseph from Genesis 37 to 50, never once suggested that Joseph lost heart. All that he went through, you can read it from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50. There's no indication in the text that Joseph lost heart. No indication that Joseph gave up at any point or cursed God during his enslavement and his imprisonment. Thirteen chapters. So many years. He lived until over a hundred. And at no point did he lose heart. At no point did he give up. At no point did he say, God, why me? I put it to you that some of our life circumstances are not as bad as Joseph faced. Imagine being thrown in a pit by your brothers. 
he never lost heart and he never gave up. Then you're taken out of the pit and sold as a slave by your family. Never lost heart, never gave up. Try to turn your life around, living in a palace, no family, new culture, in the years when you need a father, never lost hope, never gave up. Doing everything right, wrongly accused, thrown into prison, never lost heart, never gave up. Helped out people in prison, helped them to get out of prison, and they, forgot, they forget him. He never lost heart, and he never gave up. By the time Joseph was reunited with his brothers, he understood everything he went through. Not as evil perpetrated against him, but as God intending to advance his destiny. See, all that is happening is that what is happening to you, it is God using things to advance your destiny. It's going to help you to get you to where God wants you to be. That's how I have to see it. God is preparing me and is preparing my destiny. And somehow this bad situation is going to help me to get to where God wants me to be. And I need to have that perspective because God is for me. God is not fighting against me. He's fighting for me. And if he's fighting for me, it is obvious that there's some good he's going to do in this. And I need to have that perspective because if I don't, I'm going to lose heart. If the enemy can get me to believe that God is against me, I've lost the battle. I've lost the battle. And that is why Joyce Maynard book talks about the battlefield of the mind. Because if your mind, if, 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 if you believe that God is against you, you have already lost. We have to change our perspective. So the, verse 20 of, of Genesis chapter 50 says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. It's not a burden what you're going through. It's a blessing. If you have God's perspective. How many of you know sunflower? Have you ever seen a sunflower? Like there's a secret to sunflower. Alright, do you know why they are called sunflowers? Very simple, it's a very simple secret. I'm going to teach you about sunflower. I know you all know, but I like to talk about sunflower. In fact, when I was younger, if I liked a lady or a young girl, you know, one of the, one of the perfumes that I like to buy, I would say, listen, can I, and if you said, uh, should accept a cologne or a perfume, what, what ladies use, perfume? Perfume, there you go. I don't even know that. Uh, help me. Right, I would get her sunflower because I love sunflower. It had the sunflower on it in this yellow kind of box, square box, like a slender box. I love it, right? So I used to, like every person that I ever liked as a female that I could get a gift, they got sunflower. I should have just probably bought some cases of it. Just give it. But sunflower, um, they are very beautiful. And they, they normally... Uh, start off as a tiny sprout. And the reason sunflowers are called sunflower is because they follow the sun. Very simple. They follow the sun, so they are called sunflower. What that means is that the sun rises in the, in the east. The sun rises in the... So, in the morning time, the sunflower points are leans to the east. Alright? 
in the the sun sets in the west. Come on, man, you need to talk with confidence. The sun rises in the and the, and the sun sets in the. All right. So in the in the evening time when the sun is setting, the sunflower follows the sun and points in the west. So if you're ever lost and you see sunflower, you can tell where east is and where west is by which direction the sunflower is leading towards. All right. So leans to the. The sun sets in the west and the sunflower point the west. So, so the, the, the sunflower throw off a lot of seeds. They, they reproduce quickly. In fact, people call them bush because in no time, if you have sunflower in your yard, it will take over the whole garden and just the, the whole place, right? Why that happen? They, they, they are productive because they're always looking for the sun. They always locate the S-U-N and because they're looking for the S-U-N, they're always growing. Because you're always looking and following the sun, they're always productive and always growing. Throwing off a lot of seeds. When you and I follow the S-O-N, like the sunflower looks for the S-U-N, then we will find the effects of his rays softening our hearts so we can throw off new seeds and new life. Simply put, as we follow the S-O-N, we will become productive and we will grow. So in your detours, all you have to do is keep following the, the, the S-O-N. And you can still grow. And here's why. Because it is our response to the word that determines our productivity. The son of God, Jesus, is the word of God. And if we respond to the word, if we respond to Jesus, if we lean in on Jesus, if we follow Jesus, if we lean towards Jesus, then we become productive. We begin to grow. We begin to flourish. Abiding in our relationship with the S-O-N will result in the transformation and the growth that many Christians are looking for. It's amazing because the, the point is that our ability to flourish in harsh conditions, our ability to flourish in the detours, our ability to flourish in the setbacks in life is connected to how rooted we remain in Christ. And here's the truth about sunflower. No matter uh, the lack of rain. No matter what else is there. Because the sunflower is always leaning towards the sunlight. It is always productive. Even in the harshest of conditions. The point is, even in the harshest of conditions. If you and I continue to follow Christ. Continue to lean towards the son of God. Then we too will grow. We too will flourish. Even when we are detoured in life. Even when we have setbacks. Even when we have trials even when we have struggles no matter how harsh the times are if we lean in on the sun lean towards the sun we produce get God's perspective it's not a curse it's a blessing in the midst of our detour we often face evil and by injecting God in the situation, he will turn that evil situation into a good outcome. God is able to do that. God can turn every bad situation around for his glory. 
in, in, in Genesis, in the Genesis 50-20 passage, it shows that, shows that what Joseph brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. It's a Job was a victim of the evil hand of Satan. But because he did not curse God, God turned his situation around and made it all good. You remember that story? Job, you would think if anyone had a reason to curse God, it would be Job. But he never cursed God. That's what the scripture says. In all that Job went through, he never cursed God. Now, we may not open our mouths and cuss, but we ask questions, God, why? I can't bother with this and stuff. Let me tell you, I'm going to say it again. It is in the detours and the setbacks in life that many people lose hope and lose faith. What, what, what if God could find purpose in your divorce? What if God could find purpose in your messed up life and your messed up marriage? What if God could find purpose in you failing in school? What if God could find purpose in you having a teenage pregnancy? What if God could find purpose in all of this? What if you just trust God to find purpose in these things? Oftentimes we write them off and we begin to say there's no way God could use me. But, but God used Rahab. You remember her? Known as a prostitute. God used Bathsheba, who had a husband and slept with a king and got pregnant and aided and abetted the king, causing her husband to die so she could be with the man who got her pregnant. And she's called a virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. Described as a virtuous woman. about Mary engaged to be married walks up to the guy and says listen I'm pregnant guy about to tell her listen you're on your own because I didn't do that it wasn't me he was about to bust a shaggy on her and Jesus had to intervene and say it was me but you're going to have to stay and take care of it I'm telling you we need to inject God in the situation Get God involved. See, the degree to which we inject God in any situation will determine its outcome. The reason why some of us continue to struggle and fail is because we're doing it on our own. For some reason, we have left God out of the equation. You remember when we spoke about one plus one? And we said... It, it, it equals, you remember a couple of weeks ago we did the addition, this very simple stuff. We said, Matt, is, you, you remember that you need to go back to the tapes and watch it. One plus one, right? It has to be God. God must be engaged and involved in it. Because without God, it is not possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Seek him wholeheartedly and enthusiastically. And he will transform your mourning into joy. Listen, if you have a container and it, it has dirt at the bottom, here's the truth. The more you pour water in it, after a while, if there's a constant flow of water, the amount of water that is going in will cause the dirt at the bottom to begin to come to the top. And as water begins to go in that container continuously, the dirt goes out. And the container that was once dirty becomes a container that is filled with clean water. That's what God wants to happen. God wants to 
constantly be pouring in your life and in my life. So whatever it, that, that is there that is of, of us will go. And so that all that is left is God and God alone. So in the New Testament, in the gospel it says, That I may decrease so that you will increase. That's all that it means to inject God. That there is more of God fighting in your situation that, than you. I said in the first service that many of us fool ourselves and we think that the story of David and Goliath, that we are David. We think we are David and we kill Goliath. And Goliath is the enemy. No, we are not David. Jesus is David. It is Jesus who defeats the Goliaths in our lives. It is he who cuts off the head of the enemy, not us. We can't be known Goliath. David said the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord. David told you before he went out there who was going to fight. It wasn't David. David is a type of Jesus Christ. Let me break this down for you, right? Um, when we were kids, um, well, most of us had, had what was called a piggy bank. Do you, do you all know that? I mean, I, I see a lot of young folks. Um, but I used to have a piggy bank, right? I don't know if you know that, but I hope you do. A piggy bank is, is a pig-shaped saving. Saving what? Saving. Saving. Pan container, right? And you would, you would put your, your coins and stuff in there. And um, in Jamaica, what we do is that uh, at, at a certain time, the banks would come to the school and then you'd empty out your piggy bank and give them all the coins and they'd establish an account for you. And they'd put a little extra on it because you are a good saver. Alright, so um, it had a little slap at the top, slot at the top for us to drop, change into. There was only one way to get that money out of the piggy bank back. You had to flip it over and shake it. And man, that was hard. I never liked piggy bank because sometimes I wanted my money. And it, it was so easy to go in, but so difficult to get out. I'd turn it upside down and I'd be shaking. And then I'd put some little things in there to move the coin right to the slot. So it would drop out and I'd shake and then it just move again. And then, I mean, my neck would hurt me, my hand would hurt me. And I'd get frustrated and I'd put it down and come back an hour after and say, You must be ready for me now, money. And I'd shake it again and nothing would come out, right? And then eventually, you know what had happened. I'd get the knife, because it was plastic, and I'd just cut it. And say, I can't bother with this shaking anymore. <laughs> All right. But um, you had to flip it over and shake it. If you wanted a lot of change, you had to do a whole lot of shaking. Why? Because there was something of value on the inside that needed to come out on the outside. The only way to get it from the inside to the outside was to shake it loose. God, God has given us a great treasure in our earthen vessels. But there's so much callousness and hardness and independence and self-sufficiency on the outside that it keeps the beauty of Christ trapped on the inside. What God has to do is to shake us up until he can get out of us what he knows is in there. So in the same way, God has deposited some stuff inside of you. Greatness. There's a great treasure that God has deposited in you and in me. And all your detour is in life and all your setback is in life. Your struggle is God flipping you over, shaking you hard so that the treasure in you can come on the outside. Not so bad after all. So maybe you need to say, God, I thank you for the shaking. 
And maybe you need to say, Lord, just shake me some more. Hallelujah. Get out all that treasure out of me, God. So that life can be changed. Because I've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. God, I want to make an impact. Lord God, for your kingdom. So there's some stuff in me, Lord, that my comfort won't cause them to come out. I need some shaking, Lord. Get this treasure out. Shake me. Point is that when God is shaking us or guiding us through setbacks or hardships, detours, that is not a bad thing. But it is a good thing. It is a good thing that you're going through what you're going through. Joseph said that. It is good that I went through what I went through. Because God was preparing me for this present time. God was preparing me to preserve a people. What if somebody 10 years from now is waiting on you to make it through what you're going through. So your life can become an inspiration to them. Have you thought about that? A community may be waiting on you to make it through what you're going through. Your year group in school may be waiting on you. Your family may be watching to see how you're going to make it through this. So that they can in turn say your God is real. And serve your God. Shaking is just God's way of preparing us. Or maturing us for the destiny awaiting us. God has great plans for you. But sometimes to see those plans into manifestation, we need a lot of shaking because we love comfort. We love ease. And sometimes our world needs to be shaked upside down so that the greatness that God has deposited in us can be seen. See, You see, if Joseph had not gone to Egypt, maybe we would not have been reading about him today. The dream that he had in the beginning, he had to go through the pit, the prison, and the palace before he became a high authority for the dream. You, you realize what he had to go through? From the point of the dream, look at the journey. When the detour feels like a setback and disappointment sets in, that is the time to draw nearer to God who has never left your side. What, what do you do as we close? You're going through hardship now? Don't run away from God. Run to God. That's what I've learned. The one person you need in your hardest time is Jesus. Because he has been there and he has done that. For the life of me and God, help me. Because I think, I'm think, I think sometimes I must be crazy. Why would I be going through hardship and running away from God? Like, if, if there's any place I need to run to, it is to God. And I want to encourage you today that in your hardest time, get close to God. In your toughest time, run to the loving arms of Jesus. You see, it is important to remember that in Joseph's darkest hours, the Lord was always with him. If you read the entire story, every time it speaks about Joseph being in a hard spot, it says the Lord was with him. In other words, to make it through what you're going through. To make it through what you're going to go through. Ensure that the Lord is with you. Stick to Jesus. Get close to him. The Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39 verse 2 it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You see, even though Joseph was in prison for a crime, he did not commit 
He experienced success in prison because the Lord remained with him. You may be in a bad place, but even in a bad place, you can have good success if God is with you. You may not be in the place that brings you the greatest comfort, but it could bring you the greatest success because God is with you. You may not like the environment, but when you have the presence, it will make a difference. We need to understand that. God can bless you in a pit. God can give you success in fire. He can give you success in the lion's den. God can give you, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? If you feel like your place is a Nazareth, even there, God can give you success. Moses saw the burning bush way up in some hills, in the mountain. Maybe a, maybe a forsaken place. But God was with him. Scripture says, verse Genesis 39, 21 to 22. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden of the prison. This is prison. Don't curse where God have you. That's what we do sometimes. Remember we asked this question on week one. Do you believe that God is leading your life? If you believe that God is leading your life, put your hand up. If you believe that God, God is leading me. Alright? So if God is leading you, do you believe that God is a good, good God? Put up your hand. Alright? Bless the Lord. Alright, thank you so much. So if God is leading you, and you believe that, and you also believe that God is a good God, then you have to see where you are as a good place. Because the good God that is leading you will not lead you in a bad place. The circumstances around you may be bad. That's why the scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. I don't rejoice in my circumstances. I rejoice in the Lord in the midst of my circumstances. There's a difference. I'm not happy for my circumstances. I rejoice in my God in the midst of my circumstances. Because if God has me there and God is leading me, it's a good place. I can't see the good yet. But all things are going to work together for good. It may not be right now, but some way down the road, I'm going to see the good in this place. Joseph had success in prison. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are. God can still cause you to experience favor and success. It's like David. David frequently sought God in the midst of his greatest anguish. Praising and glorifying God. Saul is after him. Trying to kill him. David says, in the Lord, I take refuge. Man living from cave to cave. Pick up some men that nobody would want to work with. David says in Psalm 22 verse 26, The afflicted, do you feel afflicted? He says the afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. David is saying, listen man, if you feel afflicted, don't worry. There is a place for you to eat. There is satisfaction. Just seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Draw near to God. Run to him. I know the world tells you to run to the bank. I know the world tells you to run to people. The world tells you to run to a relationship. It says run to alcohol. It says run to partying. It says run to smoking. And it, it, it tells you to run to all of these temporary fixes to your problem. The, the scripture encourages us 
to run to the one who can fix you permanently. And he is Jesus. Change you from the inside out. David says in Psalm 42 verse 1, he says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. I want to, if you read your Bible, you'll understand that David is not doing this when David is in a good place. David is doing this when his life is at the worst place. On one occasion, it was his very son that was trying to destroy him. And David is talking about seeking the Lord, running after the Lord. Listen, maybe you're in a relationship and you dedicated so much of your love and your time to it and she just left you with a broken heart. Listen, run to God. You know, maybe you have been investing your money and they just tricked you and took all your money. Run to God. David faced all of this. Did you know that Joseph lost his coat? In other words, he lost his favorite tag. What made him the favorite was taken from him. But he never cursed God. David says in Psalm 63 verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. David gets so emotional though he's so forsaken. You're seeking to take his life and instead of cursing he says Lord I'm seeking you. God I'm running to you. It's the same David who says you are my very present help in times of trouble. It's the same David says I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Same David who speaks about he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. These, these are not happening when David is all, things are all going good. Right throughout, remember, David said, listen, the Lord said, David, you can't even build a temple. Too much blood on your hand, my brother. Right throughout your reign is bloodshed. You always try to kill people, people always trying to kill you. So David is not doing this when there is peace and safety. No, he's doing this when there, there are constant attacks on his life. And he's saying to us, do you feel like that? Do you feel like life is just up against you? Here's what you do. Seek God. Run to God. Get close to God. When the storms of your life rage harder, that is the time to seek God even more fervently. Especially when you don't want to. I know it's hard sometimes. You don't want to be in church. You don't want to read the Bible. There's no desire to pray. Like those are the times you need to lean in. And say devil you're not going to win today. I'm going to draw near to my God. Don't wait on your feelings. I tell you this already. Listen. I always tell people who are married this. Right? If you wait until feelings to make love. You're not, you're not going to happen. You can't wait on your feelings. There are many times that I don't feel like going to work. But when you get to work and you start working, you forget how you are feeling. You can't be led by how you feel. Because feelings change. Do what is right. Seek the Lord. 
You see, the test of whether or not the Lord is working on your behalf is that every time it looks like you're going down, you bounce right back up. So, I'm going to close with this story. Growing up, I had a punching bag. I loved the bag so, so much. So, no matter what I did to it, it kept coming back. I'd hit it with a boom. And then it would hit the floor with a bam. But then it would always bounce back with a bing. Over and over. I'd hit it and it would go boom. It would hit the floor with a bam. And then it would bounce back up with a bing. No matter what I did to it, it kept coming back. The reason I did this was that there was a weight at the bottom of at the bottom that was heavier than the ear at the top. So no matter what I did to it up at the top, the bottom part determined where the things would wound up. I can guarantee you that somewhere down the line something in your life is going to go boom. And you'll hit the floor with a bam. But if you're on the right foundation, you'll come back with a bing. The point is that when you lay your foundation in Christ, no matter how hard life may hit you down, you'll get back up again. So keep your spiritual foundation strong and you'll be able to rise from the challenges you face I don't like treadmills because treadmills I just feel like you're walking but you're not going nowhere I don't, I don't like it so I decided I had to go walking with my wife I think I was born in good physical condition and I'm always in good physical condition I may not look so but I believe it in Jesus name Amen I know you're looking at me and saying you need some exercise listen I'm in good physical condition hallelujah thank you Jesus uh, don't matter the size of my stomach area I'm in good physical condition so I decided that I'll walk with my wife because she likes to walk to get in good physical condition started walking and, and you know we get to a certain distance and I'm thinking like okay she turns off the road so I think okay this is the stopping point because I feel like it's time to go home and I'm, you know, I've been locked in for so long and um, she kept on walking so you know you start asking questions I mean it is really here you walk all the morning really saying that why you don't turn but no but she kept on going and she kept on going so if you know where I live we live in Heartlands and we walk all the way to the last part of the schemes up in Richmond up the hill at the top of the schemes I swear that is around 100 miles I'm telling you and in my head I'm saying that listen the one thing I don't want to do is let my wife beat me. She don't know that I'm racing, but <laughs> I am racing. So she'll be walking and then she start jogging, jogging, and then you know what I do? I just make a fast sprint to go ahead of her because she ain't gonna reach up there before me. You have to, have to, right? So we went up there and you know, on the way down, I kind of sprinted and got down to the bottom of the hill and just waited on her and thing. Very, 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 very tired. The thing is, I've not gone back to do it with her because. <laughs> It wasn't good on my legs for a couple of days, and I think like that is not that is not my kind of exercise. But I prefer that for, I prefer that over treadmills, right? Because treadmills, you're like you're going nowhere, and you're doing a lot of things. In fact, a lot of you are like me, right? And you realize that in the gyms now they have TVs, 
And what they have the TV is for is to distract you from the anguish of the exercise of the treadmill. Though you're going nowhere, it's a lot of pain on your body, I'm telling you. So to, to help you to endure the pain, they give you something else to distract you, which is the television, right? Make, make sense? And so the, sh- the shift in focus removes the anguish. It doesn't remove the anguish. Rather, it helps you to endure what you're going through. As you maneuver towards your destiny, I want you to know that by allowing yourself to see your detour from God's perspective instead of your own, the shift in focus will help you thrive in the midst of the struggle. Here's the thing, just like the treadmill on the television in the gym. When you see that television, it takes your mind off this. What, what happens is that when you put your mind on God, in fact, the hymn says, um, turn your eyes on Jesus, look full into his glorious face, and the things of this world will go strangely dim. It's not that they are not there. It's just that you don't see them anymore because your eyes are elsewhere. That's perspective. So as we close, if you're not interested in his glory and his kingdom, and you're only interested in your good, then that means he's not ready to connect you with your destiny yet because you haven't defined destiny as he's defining it. You're only defining it in terms of that which you personally that which personally benefits you so as you meander through the detour toward your destiny the thing that will help you going is having the right perspective and here is how you'll know that God is working on your behalf it won't be because there are no challenges it won't be because nothing's wrong you will know that God is working on your behalf because every time it looks like you're going down for the count, you'll bounce right back up again. So I want you for the rest of this year to not give up on God. Don't, don't, don't give up. I want you to promise me that no matter how hard it gets, I'm not going to give up. If it's the last thing you do, cling to the last inkling of hope that is there because God keeps hope alive see the tendency is to give up on God when you are down but change that the worse things get the harder you run to him the more miserable it is the more aggressively you go after him see It is easy to praise him, to worship him in the sunshine. But if it's storming outside, that's when I want you to make your praise happen. Because even evil people rejoice in good times. But what you do when things are bad determines what you believe about God fix your eyes on him he's the author and he's the finisher of your faith come on bow your heads with me I want to pray for you I don't know what you're going through sometimes life have a setting timelines and we and we think like at 25 I should be here I should have this and then it doesn't happen disappointment sets in and 
feel like giving up, we feel like it's not going to make sense. What if God just have you in a detour? Because he has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. Just maybe your your dreams are too small and God wants to give you a bigger dream. Want to give you a bigger destiny. You have become so comfortable with your own dream and your own destiny that God has to shake you so hard so that that great treasure that he has deposited in you comes out of you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for every person in this room. We submit to your lordship, to your sovereignty, and to your rulership. We surrender to you the God who keeps hope alive. From beginning to end, your word never fails. And you promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Even if we made our beds in the lowest parts of the earth, even there you would be with us. We choose to hope today, Lord God. We choose to bounce back up again. To fight again. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, he says, These light afflictions, when, when he looked at all the things, he said, these light afflictions, they are not permanent. They are temporal. And they are working a greater weight of glory. I thank you, Lord God. We thank you that everything we are going through right now, you can use it to bring about your glory and bring goodness in our lives. Like Joseph, we choose not to lose heart. We choose not to give up. We choose not to curse God. Because in all that Job went through, he never cursed God. We'll keep on believing keep on trusting we thank you for the detours we thank you for the setbacks we thank you for the trials we thank you for the struggles because you're all part of your blueprint to bring us to the destination we will get there Lord we will get there because if God be for us then who can be against us and where you lead we will follow that they are not burdens they are blessings God you are working you are working in all of our life circumstances like Joseph told his brothers it, all of the evil was for this present time so that God would preserve a people we thank you Lord God that what we are going through someday will inspire others to serve you. So we will endure so we can serve as inspiration to a generation to come. That the story of our struggles and our successes in Christ will be etched in the hearts of many and they will glorify God. 
we thank you Lord God we bless you and we give you the glory because you keep hope alive in Jesus name Amen and Amen and Amen Hallelujah come on just stand to your feet and give the Lord a big hand clap this morning